Good morning, good morning. It's great to see each of you that are here in the building, and for those of you that are worshiping with us online, we are thrilled that you're with us as well. Um, if I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Alan Pittman. I have the pleasure of serving as the senior pastor as well as one of the elders here at Living Hope, and we are grateful that you're worshiping with us today. I know that we have several guests. Some of you had a chance to meet, others of you I didn't, and so I'd encourage you, if you don't mind, to fill out a connection card, drop that in the offering plate when it's passing a little bit so we can kind of have an opportunity to get uh, information to you. I can have a chance to get to know you. Also, after the service is over with, I'll be out in the foyer. I would love for you to swing by and say howdy to me. Um, I want to ask you a question. I know we have a lot of guests here, uh, but we also have a lot of our own church family here. So let me ask you a question. How many of you would consider Living Hope your church family? Anybody? All right. Okay. All right. You can put your hands down. Those of you that just had your hands up, I, and, and everybody else is invited too, but those definitely that had their hands up, I need you here this evening at 5 o'clock for the family celebration. Everyone else is invited too, um, but at 5 o'clock we'll be together for one hour down in the children's worship area, and it'll be a chance for us to celebrate all that God is doing in our church, and, and if our church family isn't all here, it's kind of hard to have a family celebration. So I need all of you here. It's going to be a great evening. Uh, come ready to uh, enjoy conversation. It won't just be me talking the whole time, praise Jesus. It'll be a chance for us to all share what God is doing in and through uh, Living Hope and what God has blessed us with here. So I uh, wanted to remind you about that. Be sure and be here this evening. Hopefully when you came in this morning, all of you were able to uh, pick up a worship guide. On the back of the worship guide is a place where you can take notes um, and uh, encourage you to use that. Also, if you don't have a Bible, you can uh, grab one that's near you. Should be one under the chair or near a chair, you, near, uh, in a chair near you. You can feel free to use that. Also, Scripture will be on the screen this morning. If you don't have a Bible at the house or you need another one or whatever, feel free to take that one, and that'll be our gift uh, to you. Last week, uh, we're in the middle of a three-part series uh, called First Things First. As we begin a new year, we realize that there's a lot of opportunities to focus on the first things, the most important things. And so uh, we are doing a three-part series, and then after that, we'll jump back into our series on the book of Acts. But last week, we looked at Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And in that text, we uh, were reminded of the, the danger of abandoning the love that we had for Jesus at first. And the thrust of what we looked at last week is, I'm not re-preaching last week's sermon, I promise, but the thrust of what we looked at last week was verse 5. Here's what Revelation chapter 2 verse 5 says. Jesus says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. And what he said is, if you've abandoned your first love of Jesus, then remember how you loved him at first, repent of the sin that's in the way, and then return back to the things you were doing, but with the right motivation of loving Jesus. And so that last part of that phrase in verse 5, where it says, uh, do the works you did at first, today we're going to be looking at some verses that remind us or share with us of all the works that we should be doing, but remember as we talk about these works, the motivation is not the work so that Jesus loves me. Rather, Jesus loves me, and because of his love for me and my love for him, now I'm doing the works that he's called me to be a part of. And so we're going to be looking at some of those things this morning. 
all of what we're looking at today, and, and you'll see at the, at the top of your sermon outline, the, the title is this, Giving Your First Love, Being Jesus Your Best. The reality is this, all of us love something or someone, and we're giving that someone or something our best. And I'm challenging us to give our best to Jesus and not to our own desires and our own things. And as you look at that, we are basing this principle on the Old Testament principle of first fruits. Have you heard of the Old Testament principles of the first fruits? Uh, first fruits is used throughout the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, but it's first found in uh, God's words to Moses at Mount Sinai. As Moses is in the wilderness with the, the uh, not disciples, with the uh, Israelites, and they're, they're getting the Ten Commandments and the other commandments and the law from God up on the mountaintop, and, and Moses is meeting with God, and here's what he says in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. God says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. It says, the best of your first fruits. What's the first fruits? First fruits are literally the first of the fruit of your harvest. So if they were uh, farmers, which they were back then, they would take the, the, the very first part of the harvest and give it to the Lord. They would also do the same thing with their produce and their animals and their possessions. And in fact, they would even give their firstborn son uh, symbolically to the Lord. It was always not just the first that you had, but it would represent the best portion of everything. And so this morning, as we talk about giving God our best, giving him our first, we need to acknowledge that there's a sense of we need to give him the first of the thing as well as the best of the thing. You're like, what's the thing? Well, we're going to walk through the sermon notes to talk about those things. To make God first in life means to give him our first or best of everything in our lives. Now, today's message is not going to be normal. You're like, Alan, you're not normal, so things aren't normally normal. But what I mean by that is normally we're looking at one set of verses we're looking at 5, 10, 15 verses, and we're preaching through it. This morning, I'm going to do more of a topical approach where we're looking at different verses, and then next week, we'll jump back into uh, a more expositional type approach. But this morning, we're going to look at several verses. And so I'm going to encourage you to listen. You can write them down if you would like to, but here's the good news. Here's the good news. At the end of the message, you're actually going to get a nice summary page with everything that I'm saying. And uh, so don't feel like you have to feverishly write everything down, but if the Lord leads you to write something down, please do that, and then you can get this at the end. As we go through the message this morning, please prayerfully consider how God is calling you to give him your best. I love the illustration that Howard used a moment ago. It's clear that if Howard were to give either or both of those to Michelle, he would not be giving, him, giving her his best at all because there's no thought behind it, there's no thoughtfulness to it, and he's giving her something that's not very useful. Now, don't get me wrong, we're not giving things to God because he needs something from us. He's powerful, sovereign, he's in charge, but rather when we give him the best of our lives, it's an act of worship, acknowledging that he alone is worthy of our worship and our praise, and we should give him our very best. I read this verse a moment ago. It'll be on the screen, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. As we prayed a moment ago, I shared with you that these are the words of Jesus. It's actually in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be added to you. So my challenge to us this morning is that we would make it our agenda to put God and his kingdom first in all aspects of our lives, that we would put him above everything else. Get this, even above the Dallas Cowboys. I know, I know, I know, I know. For those of you that are going, what in the world is he talking about? You'll periodically hear me refer to the Dallas Cowboys because I like them, but I acknowledge that football or something like that is so trivial, so trivial when God is above and supreme. If you do watch football, or even if you watch the news, I'm sure you heard about DeMar Hamlin's injury this week and miraculous recovery so far. But if you were watching that night, you heard these commentators that live, breathe, and scream about sports all day long say, listen, this game doesn't matter. Football is ridiculous. Life is what matters. The reality is that life in Jesus is the most important thing ever. My question is, are we willing to place him above it all? He is to be the Lord of our lives. He is to be our boss. He is to be our ruler. He is to be our leader. He is to be our master. But my question is, are we living like that is true? Someone examined your life. Would it be clear that Jesus is your Lord? Or would it be clear that your plans, your agenda, your stuff, your money is what matters the most? On our money, I think it still says, in God we trust. But the reality is, all too often, it's in our money and our stuff that we trust. My question is, are we ready to place him above everything else? If that's the case, and there's two categories, you'll see on your notes, I've only got two phrases. One says, we're to give him the best of our time, and we're to secondly give him the best of all that he has given us. And so well, let's begin our time by looking at the fact that we should give the Lord the best of our time. My question for you is, will your time be used selfishly, or will your time be used for his glory? Let's look at some aspects of how we should give uh, the Lord the best of our times. The first thing that should be on the screen is that we should spend time alone with God daily. If we're going to give him the best of our time, then we need to give him time each and every day to spend time with him. In other words, we should give him the first. We should give him the best part of our day. We should daily read and study our Bible. We should daily spend time with the Lord in prayer. And ideally and preferably, we would be able to do that in the morning. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Alan, I can't do it in the morning. I realize that life circumstances and situations, maybe morning may be difficult for us. But ideally, the morning is best if you are able to put it into your schedule. Look at this verse with me. Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 35. In this verse, we see the verses preceding this. Jesus had a busy day of ministry. He's been going all day long. He's been doing miracles into the evening. And I'm sure he wishes he could hit the snooze button. But rather than hitting the snooze button, it says in Mark 1, 35, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, meaning Jesus, departed. He went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Listen to me, Jesus God in the flesh spent time while it was still dark in a solitary place. Why? Because he wanted to be before his father and spending time with his father. If Jesus 
being the son of God, God in the flesh, saw the value and the importance of setting everything aside and first beginning his day with his heavenly father, how much more so do you and I need to start the day in that fashion? Now, as I said, the best time is to do it in the morning. And the reason I say that is because it's kind of setting our day off on the right path. It's also before all of the stuff starts coming in. I don't know about you, but do you sometimes, for me, I I get hit by the things that feel urgent, like they need my attention. I get sucked in. I start doing these things. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, I go, oh, I never read my Bible. Oh, I never prayed. I never spent time with the Lord. And so the idea is that before everything else presses in on us, we spend time with him. But if the morning's not possible, Find another time. Or maybe start your morning with a 30-second prayer and say, hey, I can't read my Bible right now because I'm going to do it at 3 p.m. or I'm going to do it at 7 p.m. or I'm going to do it at lunch break or I'm going to do it wherever. But the idea is that I start with acknowledgement that the Lord is in charge and I should trust him with my day and give him my day. Whenever we spend time with God alone daily, it helps us to focus on our first love. Jesus, and it's the only way for us to know and follow Jesus. So I put this together this week. I thought about when Ashley and I first started dating. Um, Howard talked about how they're celebrating their 30th anniversary. Ashley and I have been married for 22 years, and 23 years ago, when we, or 23 plus years, if I if I'm doing my math right, started dating. Um, she lived in um, about 100 miles from me in Tennessee, and. And we, her job was actually an on-the-road kind of job. She, she did physical therapy in homes. And so her job would sometimes take her north towards me. And I would go south towards her. And, and I remember that we would just enjoy spending time together sitting and talking and getting to know each other. But, but I have to admit that the busyness of having four kids and life in general, we don't prioritize. I don't prioritize that like I should. And the reality is if we're not careful, we will allow the same thing to happen in our relationship with God where we allow things to crowd out the most important thing. So what's kind of your takeaway from spending time alone with God daily? It should be this. I am challenging all of us to read through the New Testament together as a church family. I know you may have another reading plan. If you do, that's awesome. But I'd ask you to uh, encourage you to consider reading this alongside with whatever plan you're using. It looks like this. It's available on the rack right out in the hallway. It's also available on our website. And we're reading one chapter a day. And the month of of January, we're reading in the book of Acts. There's 28 chapters, and so we have a few days where we don't have to read anything. But today is the 8th of January, so we're reading chapter 8 of of the book of Acts. I encourage you to read along with us as a church family that you would take this step of giving God your best of your day. The next way that I want to encourage us to give him the best of our time is that we would worship God with our church family weekly. I, I know there's some guests here, and perhaps you've got another church family, or maybe you're looking for a church family, whether Living Hope is your church family or um, First Baptist Church, uh, Podunk, Texas is your church family. Wherever your church family is, please worship with your church family on a weekly basis. Give him the best or the first part of your week by making, making weekly worship in person 
a priority. I, I know that the last two, three years have been crazy. I know with COVID and I know with different illnesses and I know with technology we're able to uh, allow folks to worship from home, but I strongly encourage you that if your health and your work schedule and your, your um, uh, vacation time, if you're in town, if you're healthy, if you're not working, I encourage you to be in the building worshiping with your church family. There's a verse I want to read to us, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It's talking about the believers were gathering for worship. It's, it's, a, it's an understood thing. It says, on the first day of the week, Sunday, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. Sunday mornings or Sundays were times that the Christ followers from the beginning of the book of Acts began to worship together for corporate purposes. We must prioritize this. We must prioritize worshiping with our church family and realize that God has called us to that very thing. That, that we've made it so easy and convenient for us to worship in other times and other places we need our church family. You see, worshiping with your church family gives you strength. Worshiping with your church family gives you encouragement. Worshiping with your church family gives you guidance and encouragement to follow Jesus in our daily lives. And so the thing I want to share with you is this. Make the decision that every Sunday that you're in town, every Sunday that you are healthy, every Sunday that you're not working, join your church family for worship. I don't know if you ever get on social media or not, but on Twitter, it seems like every Saturday night, there's a couple of pastors that will post something that I completely agree with. It says this, Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. And what they're saying is make a decision tonight to go to church in the morning and don't wait till if I wake up and feel like it. I agree with that principle, but here's the deal. I want to take it even further. It's not a Saturday night decision. It's just how we are as followers of Jesus. Like if I'm in town and I'm healthy, I mean, I know that I'm the pastor and so I'm supposed to be here, but if I'm in town and I'm healthy, I should want to be in the presence of God's people, I mean, the presence of God worshiping with his people. But remember, we always do it because of our love for Christ and for his church. Another way that we can give God the best of our time is this. Walk through life with other believers. We can enjoy the best of life by living life as followers of Jesus in community. Knowing that we need each other. Here at our church, we have a thing called hope groups. If you're a part of another church, maybe you have other things. Maybe they're called Sunday school classes. Maybe it's called fellowship groups. Maybe it's called small groups. But here at our church, we have a thing called hope groups. And they meet throughout the course of the week on one day of the week. And each group has, you know, different arrangements for that. It meets in homes. And it's designed, these hope groups are designed for us to apply the truths of God's word to our lives, but to do it within the occasion of accountable life relationships with other believers. We need to do life together. Consider what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 25. This is a verse I'm sure you've heard before. He says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, we need to do life together. That's why we have our hope groups. Guys, if you're trying to live the Christian life solo, you will not be able to withstand all the things that Satan throws in your way. We need each other. God made us for community with him 
and with others. So to be in relationships with others in your church family requires that you and I make time for those relationships. You see, a hope group is not just designed to come together one hour a week and spend time together and forget about each other through the course of the week. Rather, it's designed to do life together. One way that you can do life together with your church family is this evening. I encourage tonight that you would be here to be a part of the family celebration. It starts at 5 o'clock, and we would love for you to be here. But on a regular basis, the best way to be in relationships with other believers is in a hope group. So the ask I have for you is this. Sign up for a hope group. If you're not already in a hope group, get in one. If you are in a hope group, then don't just have your name on the roster, but actually be actively participating and be committed to that group of people. Another way that we are to give God the best of our time is to be equipped to follow Jesus. It's a way for me to say, be discipled and to be a disciple maker yourself. Be equipped to follow Jesus. I encourage us to seek the Lord by being in disciple-making relationships. In other words, we should actively engage in discipleship, growing in our relationship with Jesus so that we might be equipped to go and do the work of the ministry. Consider this passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking about the different roles within the life of the body of Christ. And in verses 12 and 13, he says that, that these... Uh, folks exist to be able to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here at our church, we have a couple of ways that we encourage people to be equipped uh, in discipleship and to live out their faith and to, to grow in their walk with Christ. And that is we have equipping classes, which you heard Ricky mention a moment ago on the video. And we also have a thing called discipleship groups or D groups. And so the ask I have for you this morning is, would you sign up for an equipping class? And or would you inquire about being a part of a D group? Our, our equipping classes are going to start in two weeks. And, and when those start, those class sizes are limited. So if they get filled up, then you won't be able to jump in that class. So I encourage you to start today, if you haven't already, to consider what class you want to be a part of. The good news is I know Trooper was out there before the service. I anticipated him or someone from the team will be out there after the service as well. The books are on the table. You can see what classes are being offered. You can read the details that are associated with it. Or you can be a part of a D group, which is designed to be three or four people, the same gender. It's kind of more organic in nature, and there'll be some training that comes up for that really, really soon. So there's all kinds of ways that we should give God the best of our time. The idea is that we utilize the time that we have to draw closer to him, to grow in our faith with him, to draw closer to his people, the body of Christ, and to be a disciple and make disciples of others. Now I want us to look at the second section. We should also give him the best of all that he has given us. Give him the best of all he has given you. We should steward all that God has given us for his glory. Now, he gives us all time. We all get the same amount of time. We all get 24-7, right? And we may or may not make the most of it, but we get all the same amount of time. But there's other things we're about to look at he gives to us differently. And the idea is that he gives us many different things and how are we using it for his glory, one way that we should give him the best of all that we have is this. Give God a tithe of your income. Give him the first or the best part of your income. 
In the Old Testament, we see not only the tithe, but we also see the, the, the offering of the first fruit. And the idea is that they would give, and we should give the same thing, right off the top, right at the beginning of what the Lord has blessed us with so that we can acknowledge that he is worthy. That way that nothing else gets in the way. And we can say, God, as I give you this first 10% of my income, I trust that you're going to provide for everything else that I have in my life. Trust God by giving him the first 10% of all your income. But I also encourage you to give above and beyond that as the Lord may lead you to do so. In, in the Old Testament, the tithe, tithe pops up pretty quickly. It says this in Leviticus chapter 27. Every tithe, this is the words of the Lord, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it's the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. That's the first time that's mentioned in the Bible, but it's mentioned throughout Scripture. In fact, Jesus acknowledges the tithe. There's a lot of conversation, okay, is the tithe just an Old Testament principle? Is it just for the Old Testament law, or does it apply to today as well? I believe that it's transferable into the New Testament, and one reason I believe that is because of the words that we see Jesus say in Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he's warning them of the judgment that's coming their way. And he's complimenting them in a way, saying, hey, you're tithing, but you should be doing so much more. It's like a given. Tithing should be automatic. Here's what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done, he says, you should tithe without neglecting the others that he listed. And so with the tithe of our income, we acknowledge that our allegiance belongs to God and not to our money. I mentioned that a moment ago. You see, our tithes and our offerings, when you give them to your local church, as you give them here at Living Hope, or you give them to the church that you're a part of, as you give your tithes and your offerings, they go to help us to share the gospel to the end of the earth so that Jesus' name can be proclaimed over the whole earth not able to say their name because of security issues with uh, the country they live in. But if you know who I'm talking about, we have missionary friends that were members here and on staff here, and now they're serving in Southeast Asia. And part of your funds every Sunday, if you give them, they go to help missionaries like them specifically and missionaries uh, around the world. My ask of you is to give generously and regularly, that's a hard word for me to say, I always but give generously and regularly to kingdom work through the ministry of your local church. If that's Living Hope, awesome. If it's another church, then do that. Here at our church, we have several ways you can give. In a moment, the uh, offering uh, place will be passed. You can drop uh, cash or check in there. There's offering boxes in the back. You can have your, che uh, ch uh, your, your bank do a bill pay to the church. You can give online through our website. It doesn't matter how you give, but give as the Lord leads you to give. I know that in this current economic climate that we live in, it takes great faith and courage to continue to tithe, but it's crucially important. Not for the church, but for our own discipleship. Here's something I really want to share with you and encourage you with. Church family, you have responded as the Lord has led you to respond to the leading of the elders and the other leaders of this church whenever we said we need to see our giving increase. I want to share with you something pretty incredible. Over the last four months, September, October, November, and December, those four months, when compared to the four months prior, which would be April through um, whatever that is, April, May, June, July. No, I, I said the wrong month, sorry. Somebody help me out here. What May? Is that the month? Is that what it is? Okay, May, June, July, and August. Those four months compared to the most previous four, our giving has increased by over 
more than 11% these four months compared to the four months prior to that. Guys, did you know that in that same time, eggs have gone up 73% or maybe 730%? The idea is that inflation keeps jumping up and yet giving and faithfulness has increased. Thank you for being responsive to what the Lord has called you to do, what he's called us to do. Here's what I want us to consider. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's put God first in our finances by tithing first and then trusting him with the rest. But not only should we give him the best of our income as we tithe, here's the next thing we should do. We should be generous with our possessions. In other words, we should share, be willing to share the first and best with others. At our house, we have three um, vehicles, and right now we have two licensed drivers, and so therefore we have an extra vehicle. And even if we have three licensed drivers, we still have a vehicle we could spare. Now, what I'm not saying is everybody just line up and ask for a car to borrow indefinitely, but I am saying this. We have sensed the Lord say to us that if someone has a temporary need to borrow a vehicle, we've got a vehicle we can loan that. Like, we should be willing to loan I'm not just saying the Pittmans, I'm saying we should be willing to loan things to others and share of the possessions that we own. See, it's not just like, I'm going to give God my first 10% and then I'm on the clear, I can do whatever I want to with the rest. Absolutely not. We give God the first 10%, but we also give him the other 90% by allowing him to encourage us to be a blessing to others as we share generously of our stuff. If we're not careful, we think that all that matters is that first 10%, and then we can spend however we want to, but that's not the right attitude. We're to commit everything that we buy. We're to commit everything we own to God as well. Consider this in Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. I believe that it's talking about our stuff, not just our income, but our, 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 our possessions, our things, the things that we own. And so I encourage us to take this step. Look for ways to bless others by sharing your possessions with them with the intent that it would further the gospel with the intent that as we loan things, it could be a blessing to another church member that encourages them, and or it could be a blessing to someone that doesn't know Jesus so that it can point them to the hope that's found in Jesus. Or we can give to those that are in need. All kinds of ways to be generous with our possessions. And then the last aspect of how we should give God the best of, our, of all that he has given us is this. We should steward what we have to serve God. You're like, didn't you just say that about possessions? Yes, I did. But let me explain what I mean, steward what we have. Here's some examples of the things that we have. Well, first I want to say this. We should serve God and others with the first or best of all that we've been given. So in addition to our income, in addition to our wealth, in addition to our possessions, God has given us so much. My question is, how are we stewarding everything that he's given us? Are we stewarding it for his glory? Here's some examples of the things you have that you should be using for the glory of God. Your skills and your abilities. I love the fact that my friend Joyce, a couple of years ago, I don't know, two, three, yeah, two years ago, she came to David and said, I would like to start, uh, I hope I'm representing correctly, I want to start a sewing ministry that also focuses on praying for people. Could I do that? And so she 
and some of the folks she started inviting to be a part of that started doing that here in the building and now they kind of need more space and their equipment's larger and they're meeting at Joyce's house but here's the cool thing they're making stuff blessing nonprofits and churches and people that we sing to in the nursing homes and everything under the sun they're making these things and the deal is this they have the skill set to make stuff that's sewn and they're using it for the glory of God. That's just one example. This isn't about Joyce Tipton, but it's an example of something that could seem so mundane, sewing. What can you do with that for Jesus? A lot. So we can use our skills and the abilities that God has given us for his glory. We can use our experiences in life. How many of us have had very difficult situations in life? How sad would it be if we go through the difficulties of life and we're not comforted by God and his people, and then we're not able to turn around and use that to be a blessing to others. Sometimes the things we go through in life, God can use that for his glory by allowing us to minister to someone else in that time of need. It could be good experiences as well. Whatever experiences we have in life can be used for God's glory to serve. Another thing is our spiritual gifts. We don't have enough time to walk through all the spiritual gifts but the idea of a spiritual gift is beyond just a, a skill set or an ability it's something that supernaturally the holy spirit of god gives to us some of them are listed in the new testament it's not an ex exhaustive list but the holy spirit empowers us to utilize some spiritual gifts like preaching and teaching and prayer and faith and and and, and uh, encouragement all kinds of things for his glory we also should use the stage of life that we're in for some of us an empty nest which uh, we don't have that in our house but an empty nest can be used in an ex in, in, a, in a different way than uh the stage of having toddlers in our home just as having toddlers in our home can be used differently from being single just like being single can be used differently from from another life stage all of us have different life stages are we using them for god's glory did you know that our job can be used for the glory of god my friend Jacob's in my D group and, and the job that he has with the school board, he was able to go and share some things with some teachers and then one of them privately came and off the record came and had a chance to chat with him about some things going on in their life. And he was able, because of the job environment, to initiate a conversation which allowed a gospel-focused conversation to take place. And then what about your platform? You're like, what platform? The platform that was on public display this week, which was incredible, that I'm about to share with you. Don't think that your platform has to be this large, though, to be used, okay? So I'm going to use this as an example that maybe you already know about and you've seen, but I'm saying you've got a platform, too. I was scrolling through Facebook on Tuesday, and I saw a clip from ESPN. And I don't know if you, did y'all see this clip? The prayer that ha happened on national TV. NFL Live, I think, was the program. And it was on ESPN. It was live television. It was less than 24 hours after DeMar Hamlin's injury on the playing field when a, a, a commentator who had been a football player for several years in the NFL by the name of Dan Orlovsky took the opportunity on national television ESPN to pray that DeMar would be healed in the name of the Lord. Incredible. And I don't think he did it for notoriety. I think he did it because he believed in the power of prayer and he prayed 
And as he began to pray, I, I don't know that he was summoning strength or if he was warning his producers, like, don't turn my microphone off. But he said, I'm about to do something. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I'm going to. I'm going to pray. We're talking about prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to bow, uh, bow my head. I'm going to close my eyes. Here goes the prayer. And he prayed on national TV. But guys, I don't think any of us in this room are ever going to be on national TV. I don't know that we're going to have a moment like he did. That may not be our platform, but you've got a platform, whether it's at your job or in your home or in your neighborhood or at the park or at the store or at the school. Whatever your platform is can and should be used for the glory of God. We've been called to serve. Let's use the things that God has given us. Let's serve both inside and outside of the church. How about you? Are you using these things to serve? Are you serving anywhere? If not, why not? And could you begin the process of serving? Consider what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve. And so since God has gifted us and he's called us to serve, I encourage you to take this step that you would find a place or maybe two places to serve within your local church. That's the ask I have of you. There are many different places in our church family that you could serve some of them that need the help immediately would be along the lines of preschool, worship tech team, children, hospitality, ushering. My question is, what's stopping you from serving? I know that I've talked a lot. You're like, that's no different than normal. But I know I've covered a lot of territories. I know we read a lot of scriptures. I know that we didn't dive into one in particular. But the reason I did that was because I wanted to lay out for us what are the things that we used to do with our first love and now we need to do again with our first love and that would empower us to grow more and more in our faith. Well, I'm going to ask some of the ushers that have been prepared to do this to come on down and begin the process of passing out the handouts. Y'all don't have to wait on the others. You just come on down. And, and these guys are going to have some handouts. And they're going to hand the first person on the row the, 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 the stack, pass it on down. And then at the other end of the row, they'll pick up the extras, okay? So let's just make sure that everybody gets one of these. And these handouts that you're getting have been put together with an outline of everything that we talked about today. And so on one side, it says, uh, Rex, you can go ahead and pass them out. On one side, it says, best of your time. And on the back side, it says the best of all that he has given you. So I encourage you to use this handout, even beginning right now, to commit to praying today about how God would have you respond. What is it that God has called you to do? Could be that God's called you to salvation, to trust in Jesus as your Savior. You've never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, and today might be the day that you need to trust in Jesus. It could be that you need to repent of sin in your life. It could be that you need to grow in your faith in Christ. It could be that you need to sign up for a hope group or equipping classes or to serve somewhere. It could be that God's calling you to give financially as he leads you to do so. It might be that you're doing these things, but he's calling you to adjust or tweak or change or to increase or recommit to some of these things. And then I want to ask you to do something for me. Don't throw this away. Don't file it away. Don't put it in your Bible to forget about until four weeks from now or four months from now or four years from now. Take this with you and literally use this as a prayer guide. 
that you would pray over this today, beginning now, throughout the course of this week, and be back next Sunday, and you'll have an opportunity to respond. Because I think that these steps that I'm encouraging you to take, which are all in bold print, you need to take some of these steps, and next Sunday can be a commitment Sunday to say, this is what I'm committing to do that the Lord has called me to do. I also ask you to come tonight, because tonight we're going to talk about this a bit more. We'll receive any questions you may have. And I want you and I to consider how is the Lord calling us to give him our very best. For some of you, you may be going, I don't need to wait a week to commit to any of this. The Lord's already called me and convicted me to do something. And so you can go ahead and say yes to those things. You can hop on uh, the website. You can stop one of us after the service. You can grab the connection card that's in the chair near you. You can write down your next decision and drop that in the offering plate or in the offering box. But let's not just walk out and go, oh yeah, Alan covered a whole lot of things we could do to give God our best. Let's literally give him our best by responding as he leads us this morning. I want to lead us in prayer.